and welcome to Theatre Club. Today we've got a jam-packed show. We're going to be telling you about all about Eve, the American Clock, Follies, Richard II, and a special evening with Jenna Russell concert. So, starting off the show, Alice, please tell us all about your top tip. Hey ye, hey ye! Really <laughs> exciting news. The Donmar Warehouse are doing a show of the musical Sweet Charity. Oh, have you seen the film? Sweet Charity, anyone? I've seen Sweet Charity, yeah. Starting, I don't think so. Shirley MacLaine? Shirley, Shirley MacLaine! Yes. Um, so they're doing that, opening on the 6th of April till the 8th of June, and Anne-Marie Duff's going to be in it. Love. Yep. The tickets go on sale this coming Thursday. So <gasps> I do actually have it written in my diary. What day. date is that? That's Thursday. That's the 21st the... of February. Yes. Okay. So... I haven't done a musical for a while there. I've been gagging to see a musical at the Donmar ever since we missed that City, City of, of Angels. Angels. I've never forgiven myself. So this is Josie York's final show as artistic director. So I'm expecting good things. And I'm also very excited to know that Wayne McGregor, the choreographer, <gasps> is going to be doing the choreography uh, for it all. That's going to be interesting, I think. Yeah. Because it's Bob Fosse originally... So I'm sure he'll keep a lot of that in. But also his work, in a way, is almost similar to Fosse, where he likes a sort of flexed foot and a odd angle, and doesn't he? He's he got likes a quirky to do... Sense he's of... got a quirky sense of... He doesn't, he doesn't necessarily do routines. Nothing seems to repeat itself very much, does it, when he does... Mm. It's quite interesting, his work. It's sort of standalone movements. So Sweet Charity has music by Cy Coleman, and some of the famous songs that people will know is Big Spender... If my friends could see me now. Rhythm of life. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. This is a rhythm of life. Yes. This is a Okay. Right. So that's hot. So these tickets go on sale on Thursday. I have got written it in my diary because I think you shouted at me to do so last week. So nine a.m. This could sell pretty quick. The musical at the Donmar. So I think the best way to do it is just get on on that Thursday and try and get your tickets booked because we always say this is quite inexpensive. The Donmar top price seats. 40, 50 pounds, and then yeah. you can get them 10 pounds, 20 pounds. The Donmar are also doing something called Sweet Friday tickets. Ooh, what are they? So that, that is, um, it's new, and it's for performances every Friday during a certain period of time. I think it's between the 19th of April and the end of May. And they're offering free tickets to anybody 25 or under. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you have to go online. I think go online and they're doing some sort of ballot or I don't know what how you enter it, but that's so great, isn't it? That's cool. Okay, great. So everybody, 21st of February, the tickets for Sweet Charity go on sale at the Donmar and that's my top tip. Fab. I'm uh, dying to hear about All About Eve because I know you two went to see it and I couldn't I couldn't go. I was busy. So let's hear about All About Eve. Okay, so All About Eve has just opened. Yes. Um... Madeline, why don't you tell us a bit about it? I feel like, I don't know this, but I feel like you're going to be more familiar with the film than me, even. Uh, yeah. I've so, seen it once, the film. Oh, but. God. I, I, I've not seen it countless times, but I have seen it quite a few times. So, All About Eve is a film that, in my personal opinion, I think is Betty Davis's finest work. So, she plays an sort of ageing, in inverted commas, actress called Margot Channing. And she has a girl who turns up at every performance that she does and is kind of stalk, stalking her again in inverted commas um, and watches every performance of the play that Margaret Channing is in and just loves her and then through circumstance manages to meet her and then 
it kind of the play goes from there. I don't want to say too much because I think that that's part. If you if you don't know all about Eve and you go to see this play, that's really all that you should know about it. But it's an archetypal story, isn't it? Yeah, of the, the Hollywood actress and the ingenue who is maybe going to kind of come up in the ranks and steal biting at your t- your toes. Exactly. Um, and so this is a new theatre production based on this film. I think it's the first time it's been made into a theatre production mm-hmm. by Ivo Van Hove, who did um, Hedda Garber recently at the National Theatre. And it stars two massive actresses. Um, Huge actresses. When you think about it, to have both these yeah. women. Gillian wow. Anderson, who is incredible, and Lily James, who is a new up-and-coming star. I thought she was brilliant in Mamma Mia too. So it's an amazing central pair. Um, but this is really... Gillian Anderson's show. Oh, 100. That woman, when she's off the stage during it, you're just like, come back on stage, come back on stage, come back. You just... At one point, I wasn't even watching the action on the stage. I was watching where Gillian had just gone off stage waiting for her to come back on. Like, she is absolutely captivating. She's brilliant. She's luminous. I couldn't have imagined any other actress playing that role. The production is yeah, so let's stylish. Talk about, yeah, tell us about that, because I feel like you're going to liken it to a show that I never bloody saw. Was it like Network? It was like Network, but in my opinion, they did that bit better. I think... It, Explain what was... Sorry, what So I mean. it's similar to Network in that it's it's tried to marry both theatre and film Mm -hmm. in that the set is very theatrical so we start in her dressing room when it lifts up they've cleared all the wings so we can see within the Noel Cow theatre you can see right to the backstage all of the backstage walls they've got rid of everything so you can see all of the the back the workings of the stage so it feels very theatrical Mm -hmm. but then also they have live cameras on stage that film a lot of the action that happens often off to the side and it gets projected onto stage which is very similar to what happened in network in network it was very it was very clever the way they did it but um and i've seen it in other things like chess they had a lot of live video projection and it often looks a bit more it's a bit televisual a bit live kind of Mm. This looked really cinematic, didn't you think? Yeah. Now, I don't know enough about cameras to know like what lenses they were using or if they'd run it through a filter, but like, firstly, it went onto a very wide screen screen. The screen kind of ran the length of the stage, but it was quite narrow, so it gave you that old Hollywood, mm. super widescreen feel. And then just the, the look of it was really almost added a slight film grain mm-hmm. and had a real kind of cinematic-y look, and I thought that was really impressive. I've not seen that done on stage. What I would say, though, worth saying is Oscar... Your seats were where? Second row, baby, from the front in the stalls. Okay, that's incredible. My seats were double A1 of the balcony. So imagine where a theatre would curve round. So I'm way round on the the, the long, just sort of like long crap sofa bit. And um, my view was totally shit and I would say like if like I'd bought the tickets the day they sort of released them and I think it was such a rush and I just thought I think the ticket was like 10 quid for 10 quid yeah it's fine but if you could stretch and pay another 15 please do because what I had so Oscar imagine if he's in the stalls he can see this amazing amazing stage projection for those of us who can't see that because the top half of the stage is cut off what they'd done was put two monitors um above the yeah above the stage the problem was that one of the monitors kept blinking a little bit which was pretty Ooh. unforgivable I um, a well i did toy with the idea of it but it was 
I don't know. It was because then you kind of thought, well, what was that supposed to be part of it? Um, but also imagine what you're saying, that kind of filmic quality of it being very widescreen on a massive projected drop, which I takes see. over the whole stage. Imagine Small that monitor. on a wee monitor. So you began to think it's a squished wrong aspect ratio image and it didn't. And I did, I was kicking myself. And also theater fans, I did think what I would have usually done is in the interval, I would have spotted a spare seat and I would have gone and sat in it in the interval. Mm -hmm. There's no interval. It's two hours straight through. So once I was locked into my shitty seat, I just thought, I've just got to run with this. And luckily the couple beside me were like, move up. And basically the three of us, I think we're sitting on one of those laps by the end of it. But it was, it was, I, I did, I was so cross, I hadn't paid more. But the staging, as Oscar was saying, the staging is totally innovative. It's like that whole, because the guy's got a steady cam. Yeah, that's what he's using as well. Because it looked incredible to have the big projection, and mm. obviously her face and Lily James—they look great on camera because they are film actresses as well. Um, and also, I thought Monica Dolan, who played Birdie, Birdie, yes, yeah. I thought she was incredible. She was great. That scene where they're driving back in the car and she has to—it's one of the best stage cries that I've ever seen. And obviously, because I'm so close up to it, I'm just watching her like sobbing. It wasn't that kind of. Yeah. stage cry where you can see someone holding their eyes open for a long time being very intense until a tear drops out this was like she was not trying not to cry and it was just blubbing out and i thought yeah. that was incredible i thought she was really good oh wait no she's not birdie you mean karen karen sorry, karen, yes. sorry. yeah monica dolan play karen monica dolan from w1al remember the welsh one in w1a oh, with the yeah. gingery hair the bbc comedy she was amazing series. she was that the, the worst thing yeah the whole cast are incredible i mean jillian is just incredible like the best but everyone else the, all the players in it it's it's brilliant it's casting good ensemble, yeah great ensemble it sounds amazing i really want to go how can you get tickets how well, much are they yeah madeline you sort of said oh, i wish i'd spent a bit more i do wish i do i mean obviously the there is, is cheap seats please spend more guys it's well, worth it why i didn't book it back to begin with is because there, there was it's one of those theatres where it's either the cheap seats with bad views like you got. Yeah. The moment you get a good view, the, the seat price just rockets up oh, to completely sort of rockets. 50, 60 pounds. And at the moment, I've had a look and it, it's selling well. And so tickets are not really accessible. Um, people do return tickets and the box office opens at 10 a.m. for returns only. But how I got my tickets was I just went and did day seats. I had a day off work. I went early. It's worth noting the box office opens at 10 a.m., Day seats are not sold till 10.30. This is a policy that we do not understand. And us in in the day seat queue, we had a bit of a chat about it. Um, We just couldn't work out. I don't know. But anyway, waited till 10.30, got second row. There's also a Today Ticks online lottery, which you can enter. And that's the front row. I went, yeah, on a matinee day. So it's a two-show day, which does mean you get twice the amount of tickets. It's 14 day seats per day. Okay. So 28 on a matinee day. Um, the queue was about 17 people when the box office opened. This was early in the run, though. Hmm. So it's, it's, it's always hard to know. I would recommend going on theatremonkey.com because they keep a list of tweets that people have. So I tweeted about my position and time yeah. of arrival. So you can get an idea. But it's an earlier an earlier arrival, I would say. One thing that I just wanted to ask for your performance that you saw, what I thought was weird, so I saw it on a Friday night. Okay, theatre was packed. Absolutely. I wouldn't, I don't think there was a space in there. At the very end, no one stood. No one stood either for no us. No one stood at yours. I thought that was interesting. It's very surprised. Alice, your face. I, I know. Think, I was really shocked. I think the reason really no. Weird. I think the reason no one stands so. is because although the performances are brilliant, the staging is really innovative, really stylish, really cool. 
it's it's slightly cold production, maybe by design. Mm. Um, that ice, she's an icy character. It's a sort of cold production, and also I think the story because yeah. it's it's an archetypal story. It's the ingenue coming in to try and muscle in on the territory of the aging star. The aging star's kind of paranoia. It's a story that has since been replicated a lot. Yeah. Everything's paying homage and pastiche to all about Eve and stories like that. So I don't think you're moved by the story so much by the end. It doesn't amp up to a huge emotional climax. Mm, there's no so Rose's I, turn. No, so I think that's why <laughs> there's no standing ovation. But I did yeah. really, really enjoy it. But yeah, so it, it, maybe a tad cold, I would say, is probably... Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting, very interesting observation. So All About Eve is running at the Noel Coward Theatre until May 11th. Um, like I said, tickets are very expensive. You can find them. They do do returns on the day if you want to spend the bucks or you go early in the morning for day seats or you just enter the Today Ticks lottery every day or whenever, whatever days you can do it and hope for the best. So two hours straight. Let's talk about three hours, ten minutes. We went to see quite a long play the other night. Another new play that's opened in London. It is called The American Clock. It's a play by Arthur Miller, one of his mm-hmm. lesser known plays. It's just opened at the Old Vic. And oh yes, it's the old Vic's new production. It's the old Vic, we kind of, of booked tickets to this one just on actually not on a whim. Alice thought we were booking tickets to the price with David Suchet. I think <laughs> I got because a bit we booked the tickets and then she was like, "Can't wait to see David Suchet." And I said, "Well, he's he's not in the American Clock." So anyway, we oh, had right. our tickets booked. Anyway, we went to see it. It's um an Arthur Miller play. It's from 1980, and basically, it's a story of the Great Depression in America, and it's sort of follows a, a massive chunk of time throughout the whole Great Depression. And it follows a central family to an extent, but then it's also a lot of vignettes of different people and how the Great Depression affected them while kind of focusing on this family. Three different actors played each each one. Through the ages. Well, we kind of went from one to the other, but it wasn't like they're getting older. You know, they were... Okay. They didn't look exactly the same. They had the same costume, but they were different ethnicities and ages. It was just more of a replica, I think. It was confusing. It wasn't, <laughs> it, it wasn't confusing. They all wore the same costume. So you could tell that it was still our central family. Mm. I, the idea was to show that the depression hit everybody. So this, there wasn't, oh, okay. they're not trying to signify within the show too many specific actors playing specific characters. This is a general look at the Great Depression and the American society and how it was affected by this time in history. I learned some interesting things, I think, about the loss of kind of small business and how massive conglomerate companies ended up taking over huge swathes of America. And that's Mm -hmm. why they're kind of, that's why America is the way it is now. These huge, massive corporations that own that's true. All that of the world. So there was lots of interesting things. And they added lots of song and dance elements into it as well. There was a live band on stage. Yeah, I have to say that for a... But it sounds a bit of a mishmash. For a play, that's... it's a You know, you can see when you just... If you were to actually look at the text of the play, if you yeah. read it in the book, it's quite... I mean, dry. Yeah, it's quite well, dry and, and factual and political. And what they did with the, having a jazz band on stage and having making it musical was make it so current and interesting. Like, that's the best they could have done to make that, in, don't you think? Yeah, it picked up the scenes. It was kind of a sort of jazz and then slightly modern jazz sometimes and the stage revolved. And so it made the transitions between scenes, between vignettes, interesting. much more interesting and kind of tied them together through this use of music I think the length of the play as well is perhaps an issue for some people it's two hours 35 plus your 20 minute interval 
So it's a lot of play to get through. But again, that's part of the Great Depression was a lot to get through. I Mm. think you do... I do quite I, like a long play sometimes where you have to go on that journey. So are they following like... a story arc of characters? Yes, we have our we have our central couple who live in Manhattan and once the crash hits we slowly see it get worse and worse. They're kind of okay at the beginning. They've got just enough money to survive and then they have to get rid of their driver. And he's like, I'll just have to take cabs. And then they have to, the son has to get a job and he has to keep postponing going to university because they can't really afford it. And then okay. they have to move to Brooklyn. They have to move out of Manhattan. So we're <laughs> These slowly... These days you'd be like, amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're slowly seeing it hit them. It erodes their sell lives. The piano. So it slowly erodes their lives. And as we go, different actors start to play that family. I kind of felt like maybe it would have been better if one, if that family had stayed the same actors, perhaps. Mostly just because I thought... Claire Burt, who we saw in Flowers for Mrs. Harris, was so brilliant as the mother. I would have liked if she had just stayed, perhaps, as the mother throughout. And it made it feel a bit disparate and disconnected. What did you think, Al? Were you bored? I found it a bit confusing, the swapping of the characters, I have to admit. Um, but I loved the, the use of music throughout it. Just when you had a big monologue, like somebody talking about how they'd... You know, it's a bit where he, a guy is being interviewed by a newspaper... And he says, how did you get this business? And he says, oh, it's a long story. Let me tell it to you. And usually, oh, God. Yeah. But then they had music playing under it. And then he actually did tap as he was talking oh, about it. Oh, that's fun. And I thought that was really clever to a clever way of thinking, here's a massive chunk of text that could be actually quite boring. How are we going to make this interesting? And I, that those bits I really enjoyed. But the actual subject matter and um, I just, fa- yeah, I didn't love it. I didn't love it. Would think. you be recommending people? Because that's, I think, Time Out have got an offer on this already. I don't, I don't think this sounds like it's going to be a big sellout show. What do you Perhaps think? not because of the length of it and the yeah. fact that it's not the most famous Arthur Miller play. Mm. I personally would recommend it, actually, I've decided. Okay. Because I really, I did enjoy it and I think there were lots of interesting things about it, lots of great performances. I think it was a good piece of theatre and I think I got a lot out of it. I find the story interesting. I find that part of American history interesting just because I don't know very much about it. And I think it was interesting. And I think the way it was staged was really... I really liked it. I just thought, yeah, I think I would recommend it. It just didn't hold my interest enough. Okay. No, I think it did hold Was your mind wandering? Yeah, my mind was wandering. It's on at the Old Vic until the 30th of March. And there's... There are offers for it, so you can definitely get cheap seats for this. If you look on the day, the day we went, it wasn't fully sold out and they had reduced, they knocked the price of the tickets down on the day if it hasn't sold, which a lot of theatres don't do, oddly, but they had. So seats that were usually £65 were 30 on the day because it hadn't sold out and they would rather fill the house up, which I think is great. I think if you're interested at all and you want to see it, go see it. But don't rush to see it. <laughs> yeah, it's a long one, but a good one, in my opinion. But yeah, I think we differ on this one, definitely. Definitely. Okay, so drink time. Yeah, let's do an all about Eve and <gasps> drink. Please, can I get as drunk as Julian Anderson? Buckle in. That was I'm going back to it again. That was some of the best drunk acting on that stage as well. So hard oh, to do. Oh, she does that really well. She does great drunk acting. So inspired by All About Eve, I've made just a classic champagne cocktail, which is just, you take a sugar cube, you soak it in Angostura bitters, put it in a glass, top with champagne. 
It's classic. It's elegant. I thought it was very all about Eve. Yeah. I kept thinking watching it, oh, I want a little coupe of champagne. Oh, I must say, like, when I left that theatre, I was, I was like, desperate for a drink. Yeah. Desperate. And I also think, you know, this is very, um, the bitterness of the Angostura's, <gasps> kind of the bitterness of yes. uh, Margot Channing's character, perhaps, yes. in that bubbly champagne life. So I think this fits perfectly. And sometimes it's good to just go back to the classics. It's delicious, hum. It's, it's, nice, it's, it's, it's it, a classy cocktail. We never drink champagne. No, it's nice to have champagne, especially I think the Angostura bitters and the sugar add like a little different element. Mm. I like it a lot. Yum, yum, yum. Speaking of wonderful, glamorous women, we went to see An Evening with Jenna Russell. Oh. Which is, obviously, we talk about Jenna a lot on this podcast. We've been to see her in various things, such as Fun Home last year, um, Grey Gardens, Gardens, which was sensational. We first saw her in Guys and Dolls with Ewan McGregor years and years ago. She's just brilliant. We've been following her ever since, really. For Um, those that aren't so familiar... From, of her from theatre, you will probably know her as Michelle Fowler from EastEnders. Oh yeah, I forgot you watch EastEnders. I don't anymore, Hannah, pick okay. it up. But she, that's why, if you want to try and get her face in your head, that's who it was. She's not original Susan Tully Michelle Fowler, she was the new Michelle Fowler who came in. Yeah, that's so she's, she done, she's done TV, she sang the theme tune to Red Dwarf, in fact. Uh, that's an amazing little tip. Yeah, there. well and she... So on this evening of, she performed it as well. Oh First my God. time she's done it since she was 19. She recorded it just on that day. I've never really watched Red Dwarf, but I know that she she recorded it when she was young. Funny. So this evening with, it's an um, it was her and Seth Rudetsky, who is a sort of Broadway, he knows, he's like a walking encyclopedia of musical theatre and Broadway, and he does these kind of chats. He sort of sits down and they chat through someone's career, and then they perform songs. He accompanies on the piano. And it was really brilliant. He has such a great... He's very, like, casual, very funny, sort of biting... Sort of biting comedy. You know, he's just really relaxed and funny with her. And they kind of sat down and just had this chat, talked about her start of her career when she was in Les Mis. Um, and she did a really funny... They were talking about how when she was one of the women in The Lovely Ladies... Oh, so that was... She wasn't a main part and she was no, a chorus, right? This was back when it was first ever on, I think. Um, and... He sort of said, oh, what was your, what was your, like, solo in that bit? And she was like, oh, no, 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 no. Up against the wall. Or, like, whatever, you know, like. <laughs> Just her little bit that you she get your one amazing. little bit. So she told some really great stories about that and then performed songs. She did a song from, she did I Dreamed a Dream, which was great. And just really, really, he got her really relaxed. I mean... She was just so sort of comfortable, relaxed, talking to him. What was interesting is obviously she, we've never seen her being interviewed. I don't know anything about her. I didn't yeah. even know what her actual voice would sound like. Wow. I've only ever seen her in shows. And sometimes I find when people do these in-conversations with, they're so self-deprecating. And you're like, oh, please, we all know you're brilliant. Can you just stop with the, oh, I don't know, really. I don't know why I got cast. It's just all been a bit... And she wasn't like that. Oh, good. She, she knows she's good. But she wasn't egotistical, but she no, wasn't but doing that. It's when someone comes and they say, oh, you were amazing in this. Oh, no. It's like, there's a whole room of people here who have come to see you because you were amazing yeah. in Grey Gardens or whatever it was. So don't, when the interviewer says, oh, you were so brilliant in this, say, oh, no, you know. So she didn't do that. No, no not at all. And I really was happy that she didn't. I mean, a couple of times she said, he'd say, right, come on, let's go and do a song. So they'd get up from the sofa and she'd say something like, 
because it was things that she, in her repertoire of things that she's done when she was younger. So she might say things like, oh, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to reach these high notes, Seth. Okay. Funny stuff like that, but there wasn't a lot of it. Right. Which I was glad of. Good. And it was really interesting to see. I, one of the things that I thought was very interesting is when they said, right, now we're going to listen to something from, uh, you sing a song from Grey Gardens, the entire audience are going, woo! Oh, it was a real it. fandom of Grey Gardens in there, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that's going to be one of her... Over her career, that's going to be one of her career highlights. Do you know what she said? The only time that that was on was Southwark Playhouse for that short run. She said when they offered her the role, her friend called her up, who was um, part of the show, and said, "Would you do this? We'll give you two hundred pounds a week." Oh my god! And she was like, "Fuck this!" She said, "Fuck this." But then she sort of read it and read the part and and just knew that Sheila Hancock was in it, and she was like, "Yeah, okay, I'm going to do it." But how interesting that it's very interesting, isn't it? She only got two hundred quid a week, or I don't know what she ended up negotiating, but it was no money in it. No, but it's it's going to be one of the sort of defining things for her career because it's just such a brilliant character, yeah, and such an amazing performance. And she did hint at the fact that they are going to, they're still talks talks you know they still would love to bring it back they've not let go of that dream oh they ca- that was just this the, but again i kind of think i can't imagine that not in the southern playhouse as well. well that's what she said you've got to find the right theater yeah. it needs to be somewhere small intimate but it was just so great hearing her sing all the sondheim sh- songs that she's done over the years from sunday in the park with george um merrily we roll along it was just brilliant hearing her and also sing. just hearing her amazing talking about when she first met Elaine Page talking about how her husband um told her about her kiss with Ewan McGregor during Guys and Dolls and how he thought it lasted a bit long yeah he was saying (laughs) when when Sky first kisses um Sarah you know she's a bit surprised by it and she's not wanting it and so but he was saying you know when I when you did it this was in previews you know it lingered a bit long maybe you could push him away a bit quicker (laughs) so she was going okay yeah, yeah that's probably true and so she says you know I was in rehearsal the next day with Ewan and I said um you and I've just got one thing actually and he turned around and looked at me and I said uh do you know what don't worry about it <laughs> lol so there it. was loads of anecdotes like that she's about really funny people. and what's she working on just now do you know what he didn't ask they didn't talk about her next did, she, did they talk about her next project no, I don't think so I'm dying to see what she does now. And there wasn't a question and answers. Oh. Yeah, it was oh, it yeah. wasn't long you could we could have been in there two hours Yeah. Then. Yeah. We needed a whole extra hour of yeah. It was just brilliant though. Love, love, love Jenna Russell. Whatever she does next will be covered heavily on this podcast. <laughs> Indeed. Cannot wait. So let's talk about we've got two other shows that we've been to see, one of which let's quickly do The Tragedy of Richard the Second, which is now finished. It was on at the Almeida Theatre. It started in November or December of 2018 and it finished February 2019, February 2nd. We saw it right at the end of the run. We booked it just because we love Simon Russell Beale. I know we've kind of been a bit iffy with the Almeida occasionally. Yep. But I thought Simon Russell Beale, got to go see it. This was a condensed version of Richard II, so straight through an hour and 50 minutes. Very modern setting. You've got a big box on stage with the actors in modern dress, just jeans and T-shirts. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know the story of Richard II, I read a brief synopsis. Brief synopsis just ain't enough. This was condensed, so a lot's been cut out, and the cast played lots of different characters. So we got quite confused, just the first thing I will say. Madeline, I couldn't tell you a single thing about it. Babe! Not a single thing. It was confusing, because there were, you know, and the people played different genders, so a woman would be the Earl of Gloucester, and then she would 
But then when they came back, I was like, wait, is she still Earl of Gloucester? It's very... After the first 20 minutes, I had no idea what was going on. So I decided to just let the whole thing wash over me. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't bothering me. No. I wasn't bored. It was the Simon Russell Beale show for me. I went to see Simon Russell Beale and he was brilliant. And he delivered. He delivered, yeah. of course. He can do Shakespeare oh, I completely better than anyone. It was great to see him. He's so effortless. How he manages to remember all of those words and make it sound like he's just saying them for the first time organically wow. is incredible. Yeah. Um, do you know what I thought about it is that we paid £10 for those seats. The Omega seating is amazing. It Ten is quid. great. We had perfect view yeah, up side the balcony. Of the side of the circle. It was so good for £10. You just think, yeah, I, I didn't it. love it. Um, it was great to see Simon Russell Bill. I only paid 10 quid. Exactly. Yeah. I would say go see anything he's in. Yeah. Even if yeah. it's bad, you're Just seeing see Simon Russell yeah. Bill. Yeah. So it's not on anymore, so you can't go and see it. No. But but again, we were like Jen Russell, we will find out what he's up to and we will let you all know. Oh, yeah. Or well, Lehman Trilogy is coming back in April or something. Which I need to and, see. And yeah, everyone needs to see the Lehman Trilogy. So I think tickets might already be on sale. We'll cover it again. We'll think, cover the Lehman Trilogy. Because again. Lehman Trilogy yeah. is once in a lifetime amazing. Also amazing that finished and has now come back is Follies at the <gasps> National. So Follies has just opened again. Um, we all saw it before we started the podcast. Didn't I think we? so. Yeah, it, and we, we, we saw that primarily. It. We loved it because Imelda yeah. was in it. Imelda yeah, Staunton. with Ruby, we all went to see it. Um, with Imelda Staunton, it was such an amazing production. It's I a mean, Stephen Sondheim musical, and yes, it was from, at the National Theatre, and it's back at the National Theatre yeah. now. He did it just before Company, which is also running in the West End. Um, he was trying to make company and was struggling and they said, do Follies. So he did Follies first. Um, it's about a group of people who performed in the Follies on Broadway, which was like a musical review show pre-war, a sort of beautiful girls, the Follies girls, they were called, and they came down in these big glamorous outfits. And then in between people do song and dance numbers, candy numbers. Yeah, sort of vaudeville-esque style, Mm. but big glamour. And then this show set in 1970, 30 years after the Follies has sort of ended, they all come back to the theatre for a reunion. It's about to be torn down and turned into a parking lot. We have basically two central couples that come back. The, the two women had performed in the... Um, Sally and Phyllis had performed in the Follies. And they're sort of basically haunted by the ghosts of their past. So with, within the show, all these old people that have come back that once performed in it, you see the younger versions of themselves in their full costume from the Follies and they follow them around the stage like ghosts. And... Amelda Staunton was in the original. She's the only cast member who's not come back. Everyone else was the same as last time we saw Interesting. it. But this time we have Joanna Riding taking over from Melda Staunton. We saw Joanna Riding recently in Flowers for Mrs. Harris. Ooh. She played the woman who owned the dress. Oh. And we saw her in the pyjama game. She played the lead. Oh, love her. She was brilliant. What like A very, very worthy replacement for Amelda. Um, made it totally her own. I didn't miss Amelda Staunton and I love Amelda Staunton. But I didn't miss her at all. Um, Tracy Bennett's still in it, who Great. does I'm Still Here. That was basically it just every, like, all, you know, remember the big tap number, mm. the mirror, mirror, like, it all just brought the house down. The just, thing I'm so that happy I remember, I saw it again. The thing I remember most from it is the amazing set design and costume. Oh, the costumes, oh. those big feathers. Yes. And also, they'd, because it's set in the 70s, it was kind of a 70s look back at what a 70s production would have done with Follies. So they're in these pink <clears> and blue baby pink and blue pastel suits that so it's got a 70s kind of look but also a 1930s look yeah. 1930s through a 70s lens kind of thing which I, that's blowing my mind which i think is really <laughs> that's really nice yeah. a really nice look it's just brilliant and the crowd went wild like at the really? end entire 
theatre on their feet. Every Whoa, wow. We were all, yeah, all on our feet. It was just brilliant. I got fantastic seats because it was a preview. But there's loads of seats left. You can get seats um, in the circle or the side of the stools for £35, which I think is very much worth it. Or I had a look on Friday Rush. So 1pm on Friday, you log on to the yeah, National, National Theatre website, you sit in the queue, uh, online queue, and when you get through, it has a list of the following week's performances for all the National Theatre shows. Click on your Follies Day and you can find tickets for £20. This production is incredible. It's two hours, 15 minutes straight through, which is quite long, but it kind of, you can't, that's how it was written and you can't really put a proper interval yeah. in it. It flows through, it's got this structure that just flows through but the song and dance numbers are incredible just incredible emotive performances incredible dance routines incredible costume incredible sets it's a big incredible show and i'm so happy it's come back to the national to see it in that size theater and that size scale of production it runs until may the 11th so you've got plenty of time nice long run tickets are currently available to buy online so you could just book yourself tickets or you could do your friday rush if you want a cheaper ticket it's just i just i Absolutely love Follies. So before we wrap up, I just wanted to say that Sasha Regan's um, all-male Gilbert and Sullivan productions, we've covered Iolanthe on this show. We did it last year. Mm-hmm. Um, she is back with Pirates of Penzance, which was one of the, maybe even one of her first ever one. It might have been the first ever all-male production she did in 2009 at the Union Theatre. It was since revived at Hackney in 2012. I think we went to see it. Um, and then again in 2015, it's back now. It's going to the Wilton's musical. Right. Which is amazing. Have you seen anything there before? I don't think so, but it's beside the Albert Hall, isn't it? No. no. It's oh, in, no, in Whitechapel in East London. Oh. Like, yeah. yeah, Whitechapel's or all gates. It's in between mm. the two of them. And it's in an, a, a sort of decrepit um, old music hall. Wow. It's I think beautiful. it's London's oldest like original music hall. Barbara Windsor's a patron to try and keep it going. Love. It's oh, incredible. It's, the, it's beautiful just being in there. It's so historic. amazing. It's historic. So the Pirates of Penzance runs at Wilton's from the 20th of February to the 16th of March and I was actually invited down to the Union Theatre where they've been rehearsing to interview a cast member for it, which was very exciting. Amazing. Dark horse. And so I will, and I'm going to go to the press night as well. I know neither of you two can make it nope. with me, sadly, because Madeline, I'd love you to see one of these productions. You would love, 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 love these productions. It's so you. It's so oh, you. I will go, hun. Yeah, I will so go it's as on a normal until, patron. Exactly. It's, it's so until 16th March. I 100% recommend it. But anyway... Just to tease that there will be a little interview with the cast member coming up in the next episode and I'll do a review of the show. But I have seen it before in 2012. It is brilliant. Get your tickets booked for Wilton's musical Pirates of Penzance. Fantastic. And yeah, you can wait to hear that episode hopefully very soon. Super. Thank you for that little tip there and thank you for going and doing that interview for us, hun. So everyone, thanks for listening. Um, I hope that that's been a lot of food for thought for you all. And please either go get day seats for All About Eve or just try and get a ticket and get a good seat for it. I think that's my major takeaway today. Um, So please follow us on Instagram at Theatre Club Podcast and on Twitter at Theatre Club Pod. Thank you all for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.